The Entrepreneur Adventure, giving entrepreneurs the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before. You know, I could tell you, I hate to say I told you so, but it'd be a lie, my friend. I don't hate to tell you that. I mean it. I told you so. I told you that that last episode with Clay Kirkland was going to be legit, and that's why we had to make it into two episodes. So now that we've got some wisdom, let's talk about emotional intelligence. You're listening to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. I am your co-host, Josh Melton, the sidekick prophet. We know the true host is Chad Brown, the serial CFO. And this is all about emotional intelligence and how much it can cost you, how big a deal it truly is, and how this can be the ultimate game changer in your entrepreneur adventure, being a successful climb to the summit or be a tumble down into the valley. So here is part two of the interview with Clay Kirkland. So emotional intelligence. Yeah. Start us from scratch. Sure. So it's the concept that kind of plays off the idea of your IQ, right? How smart are you? Academically, can you answer these questions and you get this number, right? So now there's this idea of an EQ, your emotional quotient. And it's really how aware of you of wh- how aware are you of what's going on inside of you and how that is going to impact the management of yourself and the management of other people. It sounds a little soft, it sounds a little touchy-feely. Honestly, it's just neurology, it's neuroscience. Because we've come to find out and there's been such a just massive amount of information that we've got, even in the past decade, just about our brains and how they work and how that impacts all of our lives of, hey, your emotions are in your limbic system, they travel down these pathways and then they hit your prefrontal cortex. And that's where most of the time we don't know how to manage those well. And so we make a foolish mistake or we say the thing that we wish we didn't say or we just clam up when we're under pressure or what all these other reasons, right? It's what you were talking about earlier. When you think about past failures, especially interpersonal failures or bad mistakes that you've made or just repeated failures you're making, you're like, why? I would have never have done that if I would have known or I would have, you know, those kind of things, right? You can explain so much because... You didn't necessarily, weren't able to identify what was pushing you forward in that, and it's an emotion. And then if you didn't have any skills on how to manage that, it's going to be whatever comes out. Like great, great example would be, um, you, how many times have you said something? You've heard someone say something, and they th- what they said was true, but it was either how they said it or when they said it, and it completely failed. Right? You think about interpersonal relationships or business meetings or whatever else. That that kind of stuff is where emotional intelligence comes in. Man, it's so interesting you say that too, because this morning, me and my wife were talking, and I had transferred some information to her, like I'm mm-hmm. somebody else. Like, hey, by the way, actually, it's you, Chad. Hey, Chad said this. Uh-oh. <laughs> Chad's got me in hot water again. No, but what it was is I was I was relaying to Kim a conversation that Chad and I had, and I communicated to Kim what Chad said to me. Again, me and Kim are totally different personality types. Mm-hmm. He can say something to me that he wouldn't say directly to her. It's a different audience, right? Yeah. And I realized once I tried, I was like, oh, you know what? She heard that differently. I used the same words that he said, but I didn't communicate the same message. Yeah. And it was just interesting seeing, oh, okay, like for me, going backwards, for, for my own probably emotional intelligence, like, how do I, if I were to relive that situation again, what would be the, how would the appropriate way for me to communicate that be? 
and trying to learn it a little better. That's why I'm asking you here now. Was yeah. getting with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, How do but, I go fix this? Huh? So, well, here's yeah, yeah. the thing: is that it, so about emotional intelligence? Then um, we would think that IQ is not something that pe- they would say people wouldn't drastically change their IQ in their life, right? right. It's kind of like mm-hmm. you kind of in the range of where you got, buddy. That's correct. Is emotional intelligence the same way? No, it's completely different. Okay, it's, it's just the opposite. So. Um, emotional intelligence is it, when you when you assess yourself, and there's several assessments out there that you can take. But when when you you kind of get that understanding of where you are, but then it's completely dynamic. It's never static. So if you're if you're really good in an area, that doesn't mean that you'll always be good in that area. You have to apply yourself and maintain in that area. If you're really bad in an area, that doesn't mean that you'll always be there. It means that you've got a lot of work to do. But the great part about emotional intelligence is that it is a series or a set of skills that you learn. And so it, it's not something that says, hey, this assessment says or this procedure that you go through says, all right, you're pretty dumb when it comes to emotions. Welcome to life. You're just going to be an emotionally dumb person. It says emotionally, in, from an intelligent standpoint, this is where you are. Here's what you need to do in order to get better. Or here's what you could do. If you do this, then you'll get worse. It just it will show you both paths that you get to take. And then it's just a choice. So as a business owner, mm-hmm. and I'm learning, and I'm researching these things, I'm yeah. seeing the numbers and the credibility right. and the percentages behind it. Do I use these to manage, to hire? Do I need to fix myself before I start communicating with my team on these things? Where do you start? What are the uses in the business world? Yep. Um, how do we take the information and apply it? Sure. Uh, it's a yes to all that. Uh, so the easy way to understand emotional intelligence would be uh, if you if you just picture four quadrants. In the top left quadrant, it would be self-awareness. It's do you know what's happening on the inside of you? And when I say the inside of you, I'm even pointing to my chest, right? But really what that means is do you know what's happening in your brain, in your limbic system? Do you have language for it? Because it's happening whether you know it or not, whether you have That answer is new. Yeah, so there you go. Most of us don't, <laughs> right? Most of us don't have answers for that. And so... That's step one, self-awareness. And mm-hmm. then top right quadrant would be self-management. Do you have the skills to manage what's happening inside your brain to be effective? So that's the easy part. That's all about yourself. Countdown from 10. That's Take right. some deep breaths. That's right, yes. Don't Absolutely. answer right now. Mindfulness, right. yes. Slowing <laughs> down. Being. If you just were to slow down your speech before you answer, and even write down what you think you should say, or just say, "I'm." let's take 10 seconds and just think about this before we answer. Anything like that slows your brain down in order to, to think. That's right. <laughs> so the bottom, bottom left, right, the, the third quadrant would be social awareness. Do you know what's happening on the insides of other people? Mm. Can you pick that up? Can you determine that through speech? Can you determine that through behavior? And then bottom right would be social management. So three out of the four quadrants, self-awareness, self-management, and social awareness, are skills that you learn and you have complete control over those. It's the joystick that you get to hold. The bottom right quadrant is the only one where you, you don't have control over it, you can just have influence in it. So because humans are humans and they can make their own decisions, you can do everything right, set everything upright, and be perfect, and it and still that person reacts poorly. You just can't control that, but you can control yourself and you can become aware. So when it comes to business, starting with yourself, absolutely, knowing how you manage, knowing your management style, but also knowing where emotional intelligence comes in and impacts you both in the positive light and in the negative light is a game changer. 
because then you can begin to really accentuate the areas where you're already intelligent. Then you can begin to strengthen the areas where you're not. And you will see immediate results, not just in the way that you feel, because not, that's not really how you're going to measure it. It's going to be in how people respond to you, how, the mm -hmm. efficiency that you're going to get. Um, I was talking to a, a client the other day, and there's some really bad communication. Just people didn't understand what people were saying. They didn't understand how people were feeling about it. They didn't pick up on any of those clues. So they had a two-hour meeting. Then they had to call me and had a meeting about the meeting. Then I had to tell them that they needed to have a meeting about the meeting. And then they had to have that meeting about the meeting. So what was two hours, if they would have done it correctly in that two-hour meeting, it would have been a two-hour meeting, it would have been effective. Eight hours later, they were now resolving the <laughs> meeting about the meeting because they had planned for the meeting about the meeting, and then they were going to do it right that time. So again, that's six hours lost. And yeah. in business, what is money? It's huge. In time. Yeah. It, what, it's important. So. Using that one as, as an example, because yeah. here's my question is that, is there one of these quadrants that tends to be more problematic in the workforce than another? So in that situation you just had, like, could you pinpoint, like, man, were there a real issue with this meeting? Was it in this quadrant? Sure. And that one, yeah, it would be the social awareness. They didn't pick up on how what they were saying was going to impact someone else. They just didn't even think about it. And so they, they probably felt confident in what they were thinking. So they were aware of their confidence. They were making sure that they expressed that, right? That's but, 100% the example I used earlier yeah. with Kim. Yeah. I lack the social awareness yeah. of recognizing, you said this to me, Chad, and it meant this, but when I say it to her, doesn't mean that. <laughs> it, was not, it will not mean the same thing. I yeah. lack social awareness in that situation. And it sound, again, it sounds, it sounds so slippery, right? So how are you going to figure all that out? It's, there are really skills that you learn. There's just exercises you do. When I first was assessed on emotional intelligence, I was really poor in empathy. And I, I just started to do the things that I was told to do by the coach that was, I was working with. And it just rapidly improved. It's just, it's crazy. Give us some examples there, because sure. I'm going to go ahead and admit, being vulnerable here on the podcast. Yeah, go for it. Empathy is not my strong suit. Sure. Would you agree, Chad? Boy, if empathy is not your strong suit, I'm really in trouble. <laughs> Chad was making fun of what I was wearing before we started. <laughs> yeah. Completely lacking social awareness to see how sensitive I was about it. Yeah, so empathy is a big one, right? That's one Free of consulting. <laughs> Share it with us, Clay. Help us. This is couples counseling for business partners. <laughs> business therapists. I've, I have a couple of clients that call me their business therapist, so I'm very comfortable there. Um, so, yeah, empathy is a big one, right? And, and the easiest definition there is being able to understand someone and, and how you do that. You put yourself in their shoes and imagine what that's like, what that would feel like, what that will sound like how they might be impacted by that. That's the easiest way to understand empathy, right? And so what y when you determine, okay, if, if that's empathy and then where I am for myself, because you asked for the example, when I would have someone come into my office at Wesley and start telling me about their problems, I immediately went to, I know how to fix this. And so they were talking, but I was just formulating my answer on how to fix it. Boy, that's the world I live in. Yeah. And that so is, then... Doesn't would, make for a great husband. <laughs> Keep no, going. I would tell them the answer, right? And then expect them to go do it. Because it's like, it's so clear. right? And I was really good at making my thoughts clear to them. It's like, hey, I, I just see it, right? Here you go. And I felt like I was doing them a, a real great 
honor and service by solving the problem. And it's not that they didn't need their problem solved, right? But what I was prescribing to them was how it would work for me every time. It's like, this is how it would work for me. If, if it was just real clear in this way, it would work for me. If it was real upfront, then it would work for me. If it was real X, Y, and Z, it would work for me. So I would just prescribe that to them. Um, instead, what I started to do when one of the exercises I had to do was take three instances in my life every day and in, in an interaction and write down in that interaction how I, after the fact, how I thought that other person was feeling during, in that moment. I was like, I have no idea. Like that, when I first started, I was like, I have no idea. No clue. How am I supposed to know this, right? <laughs> like, like the loser they are. Yeah. Like, like how, how do I even start? And so it was clunky at first. But um, I started to try to write down. And you had to, in one of those, I had to do it with someone that I knew. And so my wife was normally the one. So I would take in the conversation, write down what I thought. And then later that day, I'd say, hey, when we were having this conversation, I felt like you might have been feeling this way. Was it right? And usually I was wrong. And she's like, no, not at all. Why would you think that? And, I would, and I'd have to say, why? She's like, no, not at all. It's because of this. And I was like, oh. So then I'd write down, she's going to feel like this way if, she's, if this happens. And it's, I just got a cheat sheet for her. But what it, it starts to train your brain is that you're looking for things beyond what would be good for you in someone, how they talk, how they look, how they feel, so on and so forth. And then... I would become an active listener into that in order to get that thing. And then, so when they're talking to me about their problems and I say, hey, it seems like you, you're feeling this way. Is that, did I get that right? I would just, I wouldn't do it in a journal. I'd just say it out loud and say, yeah, really do. And I'd, I would just meet them where they were. And this is a key part. I would meet them where they were and say, I, I'd understand that. If I felt that way, I'd feel, or if, if that was happening to me, I'd feel the same way. And at that point, they felt understood. And the reason that's so important is it used to be in psychology that, that we thought, the power of being loved was the most powerful thing that could happen to a human being. Like when they would test the brain and put all the nodes on people's heads, when they talked about being loved or experienced being loved, that's when the brain lit up the most. And there have been two studies in the past eight years where psychologists have done the same thing, but they would give them different emotions. And one of the things that they would have them feel and experience is the feeling of being understood. And what they realized, because then now they can measure the brain the way they can, it lit up the same way as when you felt being loved. And so what, they're, what they've come to understand is the power of being understood is, is as synonymous and as powerful as being loved. There's nothing greater that a human can experience of being understood. Now, we can understand that thinking the opposite. So we'll take Kim as an example, right? How great do you feel when Kim completely misunderstands what you're trying to say? I feel phenomenal. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's just like you're hoping that you can repeat that over and over and over, right? I just say it again. Just say it again so you, she can just continue to misunderstand you. Isn't it awesome, right? So none of us, you will never hear someone say, you know, I just, if I could just be more misunderstood, it'd be better, right? And it's just like, no, says no one. So because of that, if you can locate a place of understanding with someone else, then they are immediately on your team. They are immediately towards you and every part of their brain is lit up at that point. And at that point, then I can slide the answer over there to them and say, well, should probably try this. Question for you. And they're all in, yeah. Based on your experience, Yeah. did the answers change? Or was it just your choosing first to understand what context yeah. is this coming from? The packaging changed. 
Okay. Okay. So Content the solution still, still remains. For sure. Yeah. It's just that. When a college kid comes in, you know the answer. I mean, it, that was not hard. Like 19 years of answering college kids' problems, it's like they only have three of them, and I just knew the answer immediately. Right? So that was never hard, but it was, I became much more effective when I changed my packaging and became connected to them. And it, it is a game changer. But it's, it's interesting because the problem, it seems that a lot of, when people are coming to you with a problem or coming to any of us with a problem, is the problem ultimately for a lot of these people that they don't feel understood? They feel lonely because yeah. they're not understood? And sure. that's actually the problem. That's that problem. Yeah. That's the, the solution is help this person feel understood. Absolutely. So let's bring this back to a business perspective sure. for a second. You talked about earlier the meetings for the meetings for the meetings for the meetings and mm-hmm. six hours of wasted and time is money. Yeah. As a business owner, I got 50 employees. Yeah. If I got to listen and understand all their problems before I can give them some direction or solutions to their problems, yeah. that seems like... 20 hours of wasted time a week Absolutely. listening to problems. How yeah. is there a balance here? How does this all kind of connect sure. from a business owner standpoint? Yeah, for that, I would say um, the key the key there is if you can get everyone on that page moving towards that, then it doesn't rely on one person, right? So if you're the only person that's going to grow in emotional intelligence, then yes, you're going to have to carry the okay. the weight of that. So I've got to train. I can't just yeah. train if myself. Everyone, right. I've got to train my entire team. If everyone starts learning that, then they're what's going to happen is your personal understanding of your emotional intelligence and how to be emotionally intelligent is going to go up. But then your, the culture is going to start rising to that place as well. Sure. And it's going to become an experience that everyone's used to. And so, an environment. That, an environment, yeah. That, and, yeah. And you start hiring people, and you'll start hiring people that can do that. It, it'll, it'll, it becomes a measurement of, okay, I want to find out how emotionally intelligent these people are because it's going to, we we're striving to be this way, we're striving to have this kind of culture, and if they can't get into that culture, we know that they're immediately gonna be behind. So Thanks. emotional intelligence, for, for, for those who've hired you as a client, mm-hmm. it, weaves, it weaves itself into being a part of their culture, and then like anybody who's coming into their culture, like our, one of our core values of that is these people have to have emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Uh, can you win with somebody that's way on the lower scale of the spectrum of emotional intelligence. Say I've got a manager and yeah. they're skilled, they're a technician and really skilled at what it works they do. better when you say, I have a but, friend who has a manager, <laughs> instead of say I have a manager. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know this guy <laughs> who has a manager yeah, yeah, yeah. and very talented in what they do, but extremely emotionally unstable. Mm-hmm. One day things are great, the yes. next day seriously may cuss everybody out in an hour, yeah. slam the door and leave and get in the car and go home. For sure. And can that person adapt or are they so hardwired and such a low end of the spectrum where as a business owner, you should look at other solutions? When, should, when do yeah. you make the decision to fix versus replace? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would not say, oh, it's the magic bullet that fixes everybody. Because one, as a business owner, you're going to have to invest the time. Sure. To do it. And, and those type of people take time. And I'll give you an example here in a second. The second one is the person who's going to be involved in it is going to have to be willing to change. And mm-hmm. so if, if there's a willingness to change and there's a willingness to invest the time, then yes. The answer would be yes. I'll give you the example. The client, and he lives in another state, so you won't be able to figure it out. And um, I was called in by his board of directors. And they said business acumen they'd never seen anything better 
interpersonal relationships and leadership acumen, they they just couldn't have any more of it. So they, they brought me in for two reasons. They said, one, we need you to assess him and see where he's at. And then two, we need you to determine if he's fit to still be the CEO. And if you think he is, then we need you to fix him. That's what they said. And so it's Boy, like, what a mission. Yeah, I was like, no problem, right? <laughs> so of course, of I, course lead, I, can do I lead that. with a yes. That. That's right. <laughs> so I said, okay, great. I met with this guy. Um, I said, you know, I'm this, I'm that, you're this, you're that. And introductions, he had taken this 360 emotional intelligence review. And I showed him the results. They're terrible. And he goes, this is, this is not good. I said, you're exactly right. This is not good. And I said, well, let's just talk about, you know, how work is. I said, tell me about an experience you've had with a coworker recently that you, you didn't go well. So he told me. And I said, how did that make you feel? He said, bad. I said, I said that's not an emotion. Let's, let's, that's an adjective. So let's work on that. How did that make you feel? And he says, bad. I said, again, sir. Um, looking for actual emotion. He said, I don't know. So he literally took his phone out and said to Siri, list of emotions. Because he did he had no language for it. But again, sure. business acumen, he was unreal. And I mean, he's, he is unreal. But uh, he, he wasn't in a company by himself. And so that was the problem. Um, so we worked together several times uh, a month for, for six months. And um, he's just did another 360 review. Uh, so a year and a half after we first met each other. And um, he's up like 4.2 out of 5 right now on uh, peer reviews from his leadership skills. And so it, he, he still carries around his list of emotions. Did he know there was a problem? Uh, yeah, he, he did. He, they had kind of had a breaking point, and okay. so he, he got put on probation. He knew there was a problem. He just said, I have no idea how to get better in these things. He had zero understanding. And so you'd say he was from a, from a self-awareness and a social awareness. He zero. just had zero. Zero, yeah. So like literally so, the... Yeah, so the zero. tools... The tools work. And the skills and the consulting's mm -hmm. there to get anyone yeah. to, to the next level but to get better. But he was willing to if change. they're willing, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he wanted to get better. Yeah, he wanted to keep his job. Yeah, his so job he had incentive. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So interesting story and the reason I was leading into the manager sure. side uh, and for all of you listening, I've only met you twice. Right. We met at uh, Logan's at a 12-2 where you mm -hmm. spoke, and then we met at Locos. That's right. The second meeting at Locos, you talked about emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. and it was the most obvious thing I'd heard in a really long time. I came back, got a business partner in another business, and I said, hey, here's the problem with our manager. Here's what I just learned. I think we can fix it. Mm -hmm. And we started meeting twice a week focusing on emotional intelligence, focusing on changing some of those things. And ultimately, after six months, they just weren't willing to change. Yep. And we put in the time and put in the skills, right. and uh, we saw an impact with other people, and other people started changing, but this right. one person did not. So we ended up making a change, but I came away from one session with you at a 30-minute presentation, right. and it changed the way I approached that yeah. entire business. And now we have a culture and an environment and a set of staff and team that's such a higher level because we do have that stability and we do have those yeah. things but we did give the opportunity uh, yeah. 
if we were probably more well versed, it, it could have been maybe more successful. But well, uh, I mean, honestly, I'm sure. I'm I'm assuming. You tell me if I'm wrong. I'm sure that even from that, the next time you had to hire someone, think about what you were looking for. Oh yeah, yeah it changed. Tuned. It changed everything. Yeah. It, everything. And and what's interesting, focus. we were so hung up on the technical side of what this person could do or that skill they had, but it was so toxic and cancerous to the culture. Yes. It was just a horrible environment for the for the team, for the customer, for us as owners, and it's such a more pleasant, enjoyable, successful, profitable place than it was right. before that. So, I, I mean, I credit changing an entire business awesome. around meeting with you and yeah, well, really appreciate, appreciate the time that. You, yeah, that yeah. you share this stuff. And I can't imagine on the level of like consulting and courses and engagement with you on a paid level, what kind of difference you can make. He's it's not really talking cool. about a business I'm involved in, so I'll give you his address and invoice him later. <laughs> that's right. I just told you. He yeah, yeah, no, that's good. An hour but, of consulting service. You know, the, it, <laughs> but it sounds real fluffy, right? But I mean, a, a huge piece of emotional intelligence is how you deal with stress. It's, mm-hmm. it's how you deal with change. And so it's not just, how do you feel, that kind of stuff. Because people hear that and they're like, I don't really feel those kind of things. But I can guarantee you, I said, how do you feel when you're stressed? How do you feel when you have to make a, a change? And you'll start to hear it. And it's, it's skills in that. I mean, that's such a huge piece of business, right? When things are changing and the economy's changing and there's now a pandemic that we just throw in there on top of everything else, right? How are you dealing with those type of things? That's that is still in line in part of emotional intelligence. So it's not just, hey, I want to make you feel like I understand you. It's, do you perform well under pressure? Do you perform well in change? Do you perform when you want things to change and, and they're not changing? And if we can help you perform better in that area, would you want that? And that's where people are like, oh yeah, I'd take that. And it's like that's emotional intelligence. That's a, that's amazing. And I'm trying to change the culture mm-hmm. in one of my companies. Yeah been doing the same thing the same way for 10 years and it performs at a high level but I see so much more opportunity people do not like change that's right I know I have 12 employees and staff members and team members change is going to be hard for me to be successful in changing this culture and this environment and seeking a higher level of being better a big key to this is not only me building the systems and the core values and the things, it is sitting down and listening to each person on how yeah. they feel about the change. Mm-hmm. That could be the difference in success and failure and what I'm facing right now. 100%. Yeah, people get disrupted and, and nervous when things are going to change, right? Because they've settled into a norm and norms are good. That, that again, goes back to your brain. Your brain's the laziest organ in your body. It wants to cr- create habits so it doesn't have to work mm-hmm. very hard. That's why you can drive from this cleaning company to your other business, which you've probably done a thousand times. And sit there oh, and I talk just about walked them. down the stairs. Yeah. Just super easy. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to drive home, right? You're you're going to be able to do that and talk on the phone or listen to the radio, and and your brain will just turn the wheel for you. You could get home and go. I, I don't even Man, remember how I got there. That opened up my mind because I see their hesitation to change. Yeah. But you also just pointed out my hesitation to. I just want to send an email. Hey, we're changing. This That's is right. what we're doing. Yeah, you want so it to be easy. I got to change my behavior. That's exactly and I right. got to change for everybody else to change. That's yeah. really cool. But this, you, if, if your brain does that in order to inhibit change, then it, the same, you just have to use your brain in order to, to fix it, right? Because you have that part in your brain that's a pleasure center that wants to release those endorphins through your body to make your body feel good. And it's going to do that when there's something that is satisfying. So understanding what's going to satisfy a person, what's going to motivate a person. And if you can get that understanding, then you can begin to set wins up in the process of change where people are going to actually now want it. And it's a, it, that's a game changer. So from the companies that you've consulted with over the last several years, mm-hmm. 
have you come in to some companies and looked and been like, man, they just culture-wide lack emotional intelligence? Oh, yes. Yeah. How do you <laughs> address and fix that? Because like you said, it's like if, if, let's say Chad's got a company and you're like, got to up the emotional intelligence. Right. And Chad starts becoming more emotionally in- intelligent. That's not going to fix the whole culture, right? Like, well, how do you address a culture issue where it's like everybody's struggling with EQ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, you have to have buy-in from from the key people, and if you don't, it's not going to go anywhere. So if I if I were to work with an employee of a company, and say I, I work with her for a couple of times, and she's like, "Oh, my company needs this. This would this would change our company." I'm like, yeah, it probably would. Tell me about your company, and she tells me, and it's like that'd be great. She's like, "But my boss would hate this." I'm like, "Well." It's not time then. I mean, there's just no way there's going to be the traction. So you'd have to do the the you have to start at the top. It just can't stay at the top. But the the people that can sh- turn the needle or shift the needle and and move the sails right to the left or right, that's what you've got to get in. And then at that point, it's got to become something that um, can move past that initial momentum, right? Because we could do a team thing all day, and people are like, "This is amazing," right? But we did that off-site. We did that with a bunch of food and snacks, and we did that with a cool game in between it, and that's not your day-to-day business. I'm not against off-sites. I think they're great and refreshing. But if there's not a strategy to implement this in the day-to-day course of your business, and that usually is small changes over the course of time, then there's, there will never be tra- traction. Man. You, you like your wheels are turning. I'm just, it's just interesting to talk about all this stuff because, again, as we mentioned earlier, this is the 80%. We're talking 80-20 rule, right? It's like, this is this is the 20, that's the 80. This is the big deal. This is what people need to address and change. And I don't think people know it. I, I don't think most companies know. They don't recognize this. They're, everything is systems, which, again, we would recognize mm-hmm. systems are invaluable. you got to yeah. have systems. But, Chad, me and you have been a part of a multitude of businesses, both as partners, and then you've had your own stuff. I've had my own stuff. And, like, very few times have we talked about the emotional intelligence issue now we may have talked about the issue but not that this is what the problem was be like so and so we got to fix him and we're trying to fix him with a system somehow some way sure right? Here, here's another spreadsheet or here's another checklist or right. here's here's a bonus or an incentive if you hit this or if you change this the no sort of time or structure around understanding or around emotions or feelings or stress or what do you want or what's the win for you and even when as a business owner when you live in the black and white world that my personality of a box of an accountant or somebody fits into the answers to things are the wrong answers you just if I see a company culture issue I'm like man maybe we need to provide some more snacks or maybe we need to every quarter go Play on some ropes or something (laughs) or do some fall trust test. Like, yeah, not day-to-day change the environment of where you're working and how you're understanding your people and how you're connecting. It's huge. I want to know, Clay, how you create a culture of emotional intelligence growth where people are consistently focused and leveling up on their emotional intelligence. I don't think people know how. Like you said, there are some tips and tricks to expand and grow in your emotional intelligence, but... How do you create that within the company culture? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think a big part of that would be when when people see what it can do. So it, it's it's you have to start with the understanding of 
what, where's our company going? Do they know that, right? And, and when it talks about your culture, it's like, do they know what kind of just environment you want, right? So if, let's say they knew that. And then you can say, hey, because of that, we need to be this type of people, right? So you can lay it out really clearly. But until someone sees how it's going to impact them, like, so you're, that's all company, right? So again, you're at an offsite and you're speaking this huge vision about this company or that company and how it's all going to be. That's great. But it's day-to-day for sure in the systems, but then it's, it's still personal because every single person has to play a part in it in order to do it. So being able to tri- have that trickle down to, hey, this is how it's going to, as a receptionist, this is how I can play a part into that. Because they might say, well, that's not important for me because I do this. Or I'm in sales, so that's not important to me, even though sales is it's key. And emotional intelligence is just the game changer in sales. Huge, huge uh, cosmetic uh, company did emotional training for half of their salespeople and then purposely left half of their salespeople out, almost like an, a science experiment with two rats, and measured them over the next quarter. $2.7 million more in sales for the emotionally intelligent trained than the unemotion, or the non-emotionally intelligent trained. Why? Because you're selling a product, as a person, you're selling a product to a person. And if you understand them, you understand yourself, you, un- you can read the room, it, it's just better. And so it's from the baseline of, okay, you're in a business, you've got to sell things, it matters in sales. Then it matters in systems. Because if your system is not going to promote those things that you want, then your system is going to work against your culture. It's got to work in profits because what are we going to do with those profits and how are we going to do it? It's just every level of your business. You're going to have to have a plan for how this works, but then show whoever is in that place how they can contribute to it. Because most people will talk themselves out of it. So from a dollars and cents standpoint, mm-hmm. it's easy for me to see I build efficiency where you can do uh, service to more clients. We, yes. You make X more money, I make X more money. That's right. That's not as defined here, but over the long term or even the short term, you almost can't afford not to do it. Correct. The opportunity of implementing these things uh, has shown across the board in studies and Harvard reviews and everything from research. Your company's more successful, your people are more successful. It's yes. all the way around the board to win. All the that's, way. That's awesome. We have an exciting opportunity for you and your business. Thursday, October 8th, the Stronger Business Summit at the Classic Center, Athens, Georgia. It's gonna be an awesome speaker business conference, in-person speakers, all day event. You do not wanna miss it. This conference will revitalize and strengthen you as a business owner. It's gonna help renite your passion for chasing your goals. It's gonna help you grow yourself and grow your business. It's going to be the first conference held in the new hybrid conference model. This is a social distance format offering you a chance to engage safely on your own terms and whatever level you feel comfortable. You do not want to miss this. To purchase your ticket to learn more, go to StrongerBusiness.com. $75 in-person experience, $50 virtual. Check it out. We'll see you there. So I had a question for your business. Sure. For, so you operating as a consultant. Mm-hmm. You're playing the role of doctor. Yeah. You're not having to go out and market or try to do attraction marketing or intentionally go out and try to sell your service. You're just getting called from companies that recognize they have the issue for the most part, correct? Yeah. I mean, most of my business is referral-based for sure. So how would you sell your product? 
because again, like Chad says, if you got you know, at some point, there's a CFO somewhere that's got to create a budget line item for this with an amount, sure. and he's going to want to see if why invest in this, what's going to be the return on our investment? How do you, how do you sell somebody on investing in emotional intelligence for their culture? Yeah, I'll, I'll normally ask them some questions about what's been hard for them, and always, it's not. Yeah, we just can't figure out a system, or we just don't have a clear vision, or we don't like our product. It's we've had a lot of turnover here, or this person's always been our problem, or we can't find the right person to do this job, or whatever else. It always goes back to a personnel issue. Uh, just because at this point we're, we're not run by computers, we're machines, you know, or artificial intelligence yet. And so it's still people doing business, right? And so. I'm going to say, hey, tell me about your problems. If you wanted to make this place better, how would you do it? And if you had a magic wand, what would you touch? And, you know, they'll say things like, I'll just touch bank account, you know. It's like, all right, great. So <laughs> Chatter's probably thinking yeah, that. As soon as you yeah, said it, I could see it. In I space. touched bank account. I was like, all right, that's great. So um, if you can't touch the bank account, if you have to touch only something within your business that you've created, what would you touch? And eventually, it always gets back to that. Or I'd ask a question like, when you complain about your job, what do you complain about? And it's not, I don't have a clear vision. It's not, sure. I don't like my product. It's, I can't find the right people to sell it. Or I thought that I hired this person and it's, or I had this person for 10 years and they just about killed me. Those kind of things. It's like, that's exactly right. Tell me about that problem. And then as they're talking, I can just go ahead, I just finish their sentence and just say, I can explain that to you. And that usually works. The problem you haven't been able to fix for 10 years. That's right. I can fix for you. I can fix for you. Mm-hmm. That's pretty valuable. Yeah. So do you see sometimes where, because this is what my trend has been as a leader, because mm-hmm. I am constantly looking for the strengths of the people that are on my team. Yeah. All right. What is this person good at? And then how can we shift their job towards their strengths? Yeah. Do you ever find where that's what the issue is? Or is it, do you feel like it comes back more? Often than not, like, hey, actually, it's an emotional intelligence issue, or is it making sure, again, going to the strengths finder yeah. um, aspect of you, do we just line people up in the wrong in the wrong line sometimes? And it's like, oh, this guy actually should have been a point guard because he can dribble, and I got sure. to play in center. Yeah, that happens. That for sure happens. I mean, sometimes people are just in the wrong position, and they're frustrated, and, and you put them in another position, and that's great. I find more that people who are the trouble in the business have already been shifted around. They're like, well, we had him, we had him over there, and then he didn't get along with that manager, so then we put him over here, then we put him through this program, and then and they're just trying to go, and it's so it it can happen to where their strengths aren't aligned with their job. More often than not, it's there's something wrong with the person. They don't know how to function in a certain area of the culture that they want, and they can't handle it, and so they just pass them around. It's like maybe you can fix them. Maybe you can handle them. Maybe you'll get along with them, so on and so forth. And so it's it's more of that emotional intelligence piece. Do you see where most often it is people that are valuable to the company? Like you mentioned the CEO yeah. earlier, and they're like, dude, this guy's he's a toxic rock star. He's yes. the best ever at this, but he sucks at these things, and he makes everybody miserable. Yes. Is it most often people like that? Maybe not to that extreme. Or is it sometimes just somebody who's fumbled around because they're like, I'm just... Yeah, yeah, you're rock working yeah, right. You I don't want to get rid of stuff you. all the time. Like, well, I mean, he does a decent job. You know, I hear that all the time. Yeah. Like, he does a decent job. I was like, but why are you saying that with the comma but at the end of that? Because you're just waiting for it. 
like, but, and then they say the but, but God, he's terrible to work with, or God, no one wants to be around him, or, you know, whatever else. It's just like, okay, so great that he can do his job. What if we can work on that part? Would you, would you be, would you be interested? And they're like, yeah, of course. So in that scenario, yeah. do you train the CEO how to work with that toxic rock star, or do you go one-on-one? No, I'll go with the rock star first. Okay, so mm-hmm. you start there. If they let me, yeah. I'd say, let me, let me have a chance. Is that your preference? Yeah, I love that challenge. Do you get excited? I guess it goes into your probably personality type, Enneagram type. For sure. Do you go in with like, I want to see if I can fix this person? Yeah, I think that I can work. I think that I'll win. That's what I think. Okay. And, and not that I'm perfect, but it's like, I want to see if I can. Like, I, I, I always want to try it. Like, that's, yeah. that's my thing. It's like, I'll give it a shot. And you're you're Enneagram eight, right? I am. So like the challenge part is yeah, I'm into that. Alive anyway. yeah. When we were when I was meeting with that guy that I told you about earlier, that was the CEO that really needed a lot of help. After our first four hours together, he said his board of directors guy asked him how it's like. He's like, we're kind of like two lions circling each other right now. And I was like, yeah, I'll circle. I'm fine with that. And like he would rear back, and I'd rear back, and it's like, no, I'm fine with that. Uh, just because I'm convinced of the effectiveness of learning these skills and how it translates into business success. And so that confidence for me, I'm like, hey, you might be, you know, really rich or great title or whatever else, but it's like, I can help you. I still think that I can help you. Have you had any, as a consultant, have you had any people that you're going with the challenge of, I'm gonna try to fix this person that you haven't been able to? Sure, yeah. Absolutely. And, and honestly, I, I didn't create emotional intelligence, so it's, I can't claim that, right? But when I look at people who it doesn't, like these things don't work out, it's always one of two things. It's they were unwilling to change, and so you just can't mm-hmm. control that. Or there was no system in place for it to continue. Like the momentum started, but then things got busy or whatever else, and there was, they didn't put mechanisms in place for this to be a lasting change. Makes sense. So we've talked about some big companies, big things, yeah. use terms like CEO, flying around the country. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to to emotional intelligence and, and the things we're talking about here, is there a certain level you got to get to as a business before they matter? Or is it yeah. everything from a startup all the way to a $100 million company? No. These things matter. It matters immediately from a startup. No matter how young you are or how green you are, it sure. matters because your business will be going and talking to people, trying to convince people of something, trying to sell them something. And so as long as you're involved, it matters because mm-hmm. you're bringing your brain into every meeting, into every idea, into every process that you create. Your brain's there. And so if, you're, if you don't know how to manage what's happening in your brain, then it's going to impact you negatively. And if you do, it's going to impact you positively. So it matters across the board across in the business board. and entrepreneurial process. 100%. So for our audience okay, I'm intrigued, I want to learn a little more. Where's yeah. a starting resource? Where do you start to, to become more educated in this? Sure. So there's several um, books on it. If, if you read anything by Daniel Goleman, G-O-L-E-M-A-N, he's kind of put it on the map the past mm-hmm. 20 years. Uh, so I would start with him because he has great books. There's Emotional Intelligence 2.0. That's a pretty good resource on it as well. And then there's several assessments that you can take. I prefer the, it's called the EQI. Assessment measures 15 subscales in emotional intelligence and has that 360 option, and uh, it's the one that I prefer. 
size companies you typically work with? Again, Chad, are they, are they always big or is it? All <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, I have some big ones that you know you put on the resume, but like, no, most of them are small. I mean, I have that uh, financial planning group that's three people up in Nashville. I've got a educational services group that's four people in Gwinnett County. I mean. What's the yeah. biggest company? Not the name, but the size, roughly, of employees. Oh, um, big, uh, real big. Uh, <laughs> trying to several hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. So all right, so this is funny too because listening to you talk reminds me of a question that I used to ask people. I can't believe I haven't brought this out on the podcast yet, Chad. This is new. For the podcast? It's a, it's a new question hmm. for the podcast, but it's one I used to an, to ask mentors. I'm sure I picked it up from somewhere. Yeah. But I recognized at some point, okay, I'm only smart enough or self-aware enough. Mm-hmm. If this person who's in a mentorship relationship with me, if they're only answering my questions, then I'm very limited on what wisdom I can get from them because I can only get it from my little perspective or angle here. Right. So the question is, what question... Are we not asking that you think we need an answer to? Does that make sense? What question? I don't want to limit Mm -hmm. what you can offer us by the questions that we can conceive to ask you. If there's something else that you're you're over there thinking like, I wish I could say this, and you had to get a chance. You know me personally. You don't know Chad as much. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of questions and answers we need over here. (laughs) So you can just use it for me. There's a podcast on that. And it's recorded, and if I don't like your answer, I'll just edit it out, and we'll be totally cool. (laughs) But is there anything that comes to mind? Obviously, we've, we've talked about a lot of things in our time. But is there anything you're like, hey, you guys didn't ask this question, but 30 minutes from now, I would wish I would have answered it. Yeah. I don't answer it now. Um, I don't know if there's a question that you haven't asked as much as I would just reemphasize that, um, you know, you, you listen to, I listen to podcasts all the time, and you hear these people tell their stories, like really famous people. I'm, I'm not one of those in any way, shape, or form. And you're just like, you, you hear these highlights, right? And they'll say, you know, I, I started this and then three years later it was 125% of what I had and then two years later it's 1,000%. You're just like, oh my gosh, amazing, right? And that guy or girl just summarized five years in a sentence and a half. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to think, well, that should be easy for me or that should happen that fast. And when we think fast, we're thinking, I should be able to describe it in a minute and in a sentence and a half. And it and what he really described was nearly two thousand days of of what he was doing or what she was doing. And so I think that that part of I can't tell you how many um, hundreds of hours I spent in a whiteboard in front of whiteboards by myself trying to learn skills on how to read people and how to understand people and how to take their assessments that they give me and, and help them. Like I just would create people. I used in um, thing I just Googled that you know a random algorithm and I would just take those strengths and put them in the algorithm and it would shoot me five and I would just talk to that person they weren't there I would just talk to that person for hours and if I thought something was good I would write it down I mean just hundreds of hours to do that and now I can sit there and talk to you about your strengths and tell you everything that you could imagine about your strengths literally you could just tell me your five and I'll, I'll talk to you for about eight hours just in any way, shape, or form. I just want to know if you talk to me for eight hours, if you're going to bill me for the 32 <laughs> you told us about. Yes, all yes, that's yes. right. Those are all billable. And um, but the point is that 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 didn't happen at a course. That didn't happen. That just happened because um, I I wanted to be excellent. and I wasn't going to stop until 
to all gather. Yeah, so. you put in the work. Yeah, yeah for the, sure. Everything you hear is a really brief, shiny it's, story. It's shiny. Yeah. Hours and years yes. of work hours and, and years. energy and effort and trial and error and wins and losses along the way. Right. You know, I used to ask, I still do, but uh, when I was working with college kids, they come in with their problems, right? And um, the question I would always ask them is, uh, all right, so let's fast forward. You're 80 years old. You have the opportunity to write an autobiography, and you, and you got 200 pages. It's like, is this a chapter? Is this a page? Is this a paragraph? Is this a sentence, or does, is this on the editing floor? Is what you're asking about right now, where does it rank in that? And most of the time, they'd realize this is an editing floor issue. And if it's an editing floor issue, then let's pull the dials back and just relax a little bit, right? And so, you know, I don't, I don't know how long we've talked, but there's, there's all these chapter heading titles like, hey, internship, and then huge growth, and business, and expertise and all this kind of stuff but really what would be in that book is yeah, I spent a lot of time by myself in front of whiteboards uh, or I just took a risk and was willing to see what was on the other side of it it's the Kobe Bryant story man as you're saying yeah. this stuff it makes me think of Kobe yeah. you know these other basketball players would wake up and go to the gym they're thinking they're getting there early and they'd like walk in and Kobe Bryant would be done with his first practice he'd be like right icing his <laughs> he's already sweating yeah you know yeah. like what and then, he, and then he would still be there when they left they're putting in yeah. the time because the, again you've mentioned this too Kobe Bryant was committed to excellence mm-hmm. with his craft and he, he was willing to put in the time because right. he was determined to be the best that he could be that's correct whatever that meant for, for history so I do have one more question for you yeah man and I want you to the best you can tap back in to 21 year old Clay Kirkland yep Full of gusto, mm-hmm. you know. Obviously, we're amplified with wisdom now, but I want to hear the vision for Clay Kirkland and your company. Like, whether it's the final chapter or the next chapter, tell us where you're going. Like, I want to hear the vision because there's so many of us that we probably have that desire to put in the work, but maybe we're not because our vision's not strong enough from the belief standpoint that we're going to hit it. You had belief that you're going to hit that goal with the internship program right. with Wesley, and I'm yeah. fairly confident you probably have that same type of passion and belief that your vision for the here and now, Clay Kirkland, and where you're going, that you're going to hit that too. So tell us about that and what you're doing to get there. Sure. If I were to, I, and it's on my little website, but if I were to summarize it into a little neat cliche, it would be that I'm here to help people with the things that matter most. And the reason that it it's phrased that way is because it then forces me to spend the time to understand about my client's needs and what they determine matters most to them because it it might I can't just say hey profits matter most to you you know by the way so I'm going to help you with profits or scalability matters most to you so I'm going to help you scale like that might not be what matters most they might not understand what matters most and so I phrase it that way because it forces me to start at a place of I'm a learner and I have to understand you and in doing that, my goal is to continue to build my repertoire of what I can offer other people in order to, when I find out or they find out what matters most to them, I'm able to help them. And so, like, from a business standpoint, I want to build a team underneath me. I want to be able to um, provide resources that people would be able to get when they when they can't necessarily just talk to me or those kind of things in order to, it's, it's scalability, right, and it's recurring income and all those things that you think about, but the reason I would want to do that is not because hey, I want to try to have three extra houses just so that they can collect dust and I can say I'm rich. 
as much as if I set out to help people. And so if I'm not doing that, if, if, if I am doing that and I get to have a good living, great. But if I'm not doing that, then I'm not staying true to myself. And, and so that, that would, to me, is the worst punishment. So I've phrased it like that, and I've, you know, I've had people say, you know, you need to make that more specific. I'm like, yeah, but here's why I can't. And so my, the drive in me, not 21-year-old, but 42, so it's double, I'm 42 now, is I have a deep desire to help other people. And I, I have ways that I can help them, and I'm learning other ways that I can help them. But it first starts with I have to understand them. And when I understand them, then we're connected, and then I can be a resource either for what I have or who I know in order to, to make them better. Talk about practicing what you preach. I mean, that's it there, man. It's awesome. Yeah. It's emotional intelligence. You've been able to define that the win, that success for you, is in living a life that benefits other people toward yeah. what matters most. Correct. And all the other crap, the houses and click dust, those are all great things. There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. But at the end of your life, you'll hang your hat more on the fact that you benefited and blessed and made a major positive impact in the lives of all those other people. That's right. the mm-hmm. eternal reward. You know what I'm saying? Right. So tell the people where they can find you. How do, the, how do people reach out if they want to learn more, if they want to talk about some consulting? Yeah. Or how do I get in touch with you? Yeah. The uh, website is wisdomandcreativity.com. And um, I'm Wisdom and Creativity Consulting. So. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, man. Yep. So valuable. Uh, can't wait to, to talk more and learn more from you. Me and Chad are better, and, and then Kate and Justin are mm-hmm. in here with us. There, We are all better from the time we spent with you today. So thank you for investing in us, and thank you for being on the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast. It's been an honor. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Entrepreneur Adventure. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please be sure to like and subscribe to the Entrepreneur Adventure wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check us out on the web at www.theentrepreneuradventure.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. And remember, the Entrepreneur Adventure does not have to be traveled alone, but is a journey to be shared. We'll catch you next time on the Entrepreneur Adventure, where we give you the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before.